the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you kindly, sir, and good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome on in to the Thursday edition of Lifeline for this 21st day of July. Trust you're having a good day and a good week so far. We've got a good show. No, we don't have a good show. We have a fantastic show for you this evening. A little bit later on in tonight's program, it is our Lifeline Pastor of the Week, and we're going to tell you who that is and more about that later on. Rumor has it, according to my spies, Napoleon Kaufman will be joining us coming up tonight in the six o'clock hour. But to lead things off, a dear brother in Christ, a leader of the church here in the San Francisco Bay Area, respected not only nationally but globally for not just his leadership and his vision, but the passion this man has for the sake of the gospel. And it's always an honor and privilege to have join us the um, senior pastor, founder of Axeville Gospel Church in Oakland, Bishop Bob Jackson. Bishop Jackson, good to see you again. Good to see you too, Craig. God bless you. Thank you for having me. We were chatting off the air here before we came on the broadcast today, and it it strikes me that passage of scripture that the the double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Yes. Scripture's quite clear about that. And if we take a casual look around us of what's going on in the headline news, whether it's stories of violence on the streets of Oakland, shootings, young people getting involved in gang activity, the madness going on and we continue to deal with the the aftermath, the fallout of things like COVID and the madness, whether it be in Sacramento with politicians there or in Washington, D.C. There, there are just an abundance of examples of the results of instability because of double-mindedness. And I think, you know, we're going to, as we always do, we're going to let the Holy Spirit be in the driver's seat because uh, that's the only way you and I operate. Absolutely. But I just want to get your thoughts Bishop Bob, you've been involved in the community. In fact, I understand Acts is coming up on an anniversary of 38 years, which is going to make his story about starting the church when he was just one year old a little challenging, but we'll work with you. <laughs> but in 38 years of active ministry in the San Francisco Bay Area and Oakland specific is home to you. I know that, like myself, you've seen a lot of changes. Not all of them have been good. As you analyze where we're at today as a country, and more specifically, where we're at today as the church, as the body of Christ, um, what would your assessment be? Do you want the edited version, or do you want the... uh... You know, 
you have never shied from the truth in all the decades that I've known you. So don't don't uh, don't color the, the what's the word I'm looking for. Don't don't try to cover it over with with candy and sugar sugar coat it. Just tell us the truth because the truth will set us free. Uh, yeah, well, you know it's it's worse now uh, I think than it's ever been in the world. I, I'm 76 years old, by the way, and I'll be 77 December. But the point I'm saying is... We're sticking with the 39 story, though, because he doesn't act like a 76-year-old by any shot. And I thank the Lord for that. (laughs) My mom's 102, so she's still doing fine and doing good. But good genes. But anyway, the question was, you know, it's it's true that... to me, society is now worse, and America especially. We used to be one nation under God, and I think it was really something, you know, when that those things were talked about, was they were really believed, and we had people going to church, and we had families, we had fathers and mothers, you know, with children raising, and we had, they, I mean, the whole thing was just different. When I was growing up even in Oakland, I grew up in Oakland, uh, we had our doors unlocked. We didn't even have a key to the front door. I mean, it was always unlocked. I mean, we had no problem with people breaking in and stuff like that. We, we didn't have all of the things that you see today. And people grew up in the neighborhood that we had a real neighborhood. Now we have a hood. You know, the the neighbor has been taken out of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a hood now. But the point of it is, we used to have a neighborhood. We had real, and the churches were really uh, vibrant and they were relevant in the community. People went to church. And Craig, you'd go into anybody's house there in Camel Village where I grew up. And I tell you, in that house, in that house, there would be a big old Bible on the, on the, there would be a great big old Bible sitting on that on that uh, coffee table Mm -hmm. and uh, pictured Jesus on the front of it, of course. Great big old Bible. Everybody had a Bible in their home. You go in houses today, first of all, they don't even have a coffee table for the most part, and there's certainly no Bibles at all in the house, period. And even in the Bible, it talked about Aunt so and so and Uncle so and so who married so and so had the mm-hmm. history of who oh, married the family what, tree, yeah. grandma, grandpa. Nowadays, people don't even know their roots. They don't know their people. They don't. They don't have any history about the family. Whatnot. It's just. It's just crazy. So, the concept of God now is so far removed from the average person growing up. You know, in in Oakland, I'll say right now, and probably in America, it's just. It's just something that they don't have any knowledge of. They are ignorant concerning God. There's two phrases, two statements you just made that I want to underscore because I think they they really reveal what's going on here. First, you mentioned about our neighborhoods are now just hoods. Yes. The notion that there's a sense of disconnectivity. Yes. That we could likely live on the same street, in the same house, the same apartment building for months, years, past the same people as we come and go and not have a clue who they are, what their first name is, how many kids they have. We don't know our neighbors. Correct. And I'm going to put a little asterisk next to that because I want you to elaborate on this point in a moment of how short-sighted that is because if we don't even know who our neighbors are, how can we ever hope to reach them or to be able to live by example the Christian faith so that they could say, yeah, I've seen that guy Bob coming and going. Oh, I mean, yeah, Craig down the block. They seem to be a little bit different. Right. Seems to be a smile on his face. I understand his wife got sick, but 
You know, I'm hearing stories about prayer and God doing miraculous. I'd like to know more about him. We don't know our neighbors. The other point that I want to have you elaborate on, you mentioned how we at time at one time were a one nation under God. Correct. Indivisible. Yes. With the liberty and justice for almost everybody anyway. Yeah. Spotted history to be sure. We seem to not understand that that is almost conditional in the sense that one nation under God. Right. If we're no longer under God, if God is not the unifying factor that brings us all together, then is it any wonder that there's so much division today because the notion of this being a nation that bows its knee to the throne of grace and recognizes Christ and Lord and Savior is now no longer the norm, it's the exception. And you're absolutely correct. And so as a consequence, you see the world in the shape it's in, I love to say, and the condition of the menta- or the mentality of the people, the spirit of the people. And I think another thing that I noted, you know, the mass shootings, you know, and everybody's trying to figure out what the psychoanalyze, what, why are they doing it? What, what's the reason? What, why did they do that? Why did this young man do this? Well, you train that young man with that Xbox. And that young man was now. with this thing, killing, killing. He was shooting, shooting, and he got so he enjoyed killing and shooting. The blood was coming up, and you had it. You thought it was just a game. You thought it was just a toy. But it was Satan that planted those things with those young boys, young men, and now they have real guns shooting people that they don't. It doesn't even bother them because they've been their their conscience has been seared by operating with those Xboxes and playing a game of killing, and now they're killing for real. And Mass shootings. And the lines between reality and entertainment are blurred. Blurred. Absolutely true. And so you wonder, and then parents, you know, they don't, they don't seem to monitor their kids or nothing like that. Kids got Uzis and, and machine guns in their bedroom and stuff like that. And the parent act like they don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was growing up, my mom had liberty to come in and out of my room. You know, I'd get out of my room, mom. <laughs> They took liberty. Man, they would, my mom would grab me by the ear and throw me through their nearest window. The point I'm saying is that she let you know this is her house, hey, okay? When and, I was a kid growing up, if I took that attitude, stay out of my room, I'd come back the next day and there would be no door on my bedroom. My I, father remind me, your room, my house. I, that's exactly right. As a matter of fact, when we did have keys and locks, none of us kids had a key to the door. Because only two people had a key to that door. That's mom and dad. Mom and dad. But the point I'm making is, when you look at the world, it is so sad. But but I have to flip the script on that and take a look at the churches. Because the churches are in dire straits. Old man COVID knocked churches out of business for two years and more. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, the people, the church people are not coming back to church. And they used to blame it on COVID. But now you see the Warriors games and all these games coming together. People with no mask on. They're just hollering and screaming and yelling. So that's not a good excuse for not coming to church. They're not coming back to church. You know, what my cons- what I think about it is, they're not coming back to church because they never really received the Lord Jesus in the first place. They only believed on him. So I would say they were religious. They were religious people. It was part of their upbringing for some of them. They go to church. You don't feel right except you go to church. Listen, that's not the reason to go to church. You go to church because you really are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross 
was buried, and on the third day God the Father raised him from the dead, and you've received him into your heart as Lord and Savior. And now you go there to be built up, getting receiving the Word of God and praise and worshiping God. I mean, it's it's not just a ritual or just something to do. It's it's worship that God wants. He desires it from the people that live in this earth. So let me make sure that I'm understanding this clearly. Are you making a distinction then between knowledge of versus? relationship with absolutely yes sir and that's what you see I, I call them religious people they're very religious but you know people are religious no matter who they are you're going to believe in something well, or someone satan took jesus up on the pinnacle right in the 40 he, days in the wilderness he, he did quote scripture did just he? as well he did it he doesn't did mean because he quotes scripture though that he's that's saved. right that he was saved but james came back and said you believe there's one god he says the devils believe and tremble. Mm -hmm. So Satan believes, but he's not a receiver. You see that? And I, I, I've come to the conclusion, uh, after looking at this thing and really praying about it, the Lord is showing me. See, Colossians one twenty seven. Paul let a mystery out. He says, i got to tell you the mystery. The mystery is a hidden truth. It doesn't mean that you can't know it. It's just hid from the average person, mm -hmm. okay? So he says, great is the mystery of godliness, Colossians one twenty seven. He says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. of glory. He gave us the mystery. He told us what the mystery was. But people nowadays in the church have never prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their heart. So what, what difference can he make in your life if you've never received him into your heart as your Lord and Savior? And just to believe, and they used a Philippian jailer over when Paul was in jail, and how he, he took him out at night, and they they nursed him, Paul and 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 Silas, and they fixed his wound and stuff. And and he said the the Philippian Philippian jailer and his family believed the Philippian jailer and his family. They he told them that all you had to do is believe in your family, and, and that was good enough. I said, yeah, but you can't take that one scripture. And, and try to base salvation on that. Go back and look at the go back and look at Romans ten and nine, what Paul said. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, how are you going to believe in your heart except you received Him into your heart? And so there's a lot of scriptures on receiving Him, but no one preaches about that. So we end up with a bunch of people that are just religious. They love the Lord, they love God, and that's about it. But they've never received Him. And back to that illustration that we're going to take a break. Back to the no notion that there is such a major distinction between knowing of him Come on. and knowing him. That's it. The Sadducees and the Pharisees knew of him. Yes. Pontius yes. Pilate, Rome, knew of him. Yes. But did not know him. That's correct. That's right. And maybe the one issue then, the distinction that we need to be thinking and praying about today in our own lives as we go about our day-to-day -day business, and maybe you fit in that category that Bishop Bob mentioned just a moment ago, where, yeah, after COVID, you kind of got nervous, and it became comfortable to sleep in late on Sunday morning. And after all, you can catch it on YouTube or the Internet, and so, you know, it's just as well. The forsaking of the gathering of ourselves and the lack of compulsion to want to be in church and be with fellow believers that you may enter into worship together. Why do you wish to worship him? It's not because you know of him. It's because you know him. 
And that sense of knowledge compels you to want to worship him because you know in whom you have believed. We're going to pause on that point. Bishop Bob Jackson with us tonight in studio for the first hour of the program. Of course, he is the um, senior pastor and founder of Axeful Gospel Church of God in Christ. Information available on the web at axefullgospel.org. That's axefullgospel.org. We take a brief time out back to more of our conversation with Bishop Bob Jackson as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Bishop Bob Jackson with us tonight in studio, senior pastor and founder of Axeful Gospel Church of Oakland. If you are new to the Bay Area looking for a church home, you want a dynamic church that faithfully and unapologetically proclaims the truth of the gospel and embraces what true discipleship is and means and what it means to be a true disciple. That's the kind of experience you'll find at Axeful Gospel of Oakland. Information available on the web at axefullgospel.org. That's axefullgospel.org. We're, um, we're just visiting today with Bishop Bob Jackson about what uh, what's going on in the world around us and trying to in some respects, make sense of what appears to be an increasingly rebellious society today. And, you know, I was struck, Bishop Bob, just before the break, you were talking about some of these tragic shootings that have gone on. Yes. And it almost seems as if you can't turn on the news hardly any day of the week without reading some story of some other horrific act of violence. It might be at a school. It might be at a shopping center. It could be at a church. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it occurs to me, we heard, for example, after the Uvalde shooting down in Texas, 19 children, two adults, senselessly murdered. 370 police officers went into that building, and not a one of them had the courage to say, you know what, their lives are more valuable than mine. I'm going to face this guy. I'm going to stop this right now. And instead, they sat there and didn't even bother to open the door. Shame. It occurs to me, Bishop Bob, and I'd like to have you speak to this. You know, there was a time when we didn't see all this violence. And I just wonder if there's a correlation between a time in America when we trade up a child in the way he or she should go. That's right. We believed in respecting the values that were being taught at home, and the schools didn't countermand all of that. And, you know, we've heard, as we did after the Vivaldi shootings, gee, if only somehow these kids got the message that they shouldn't kill. And I thought, you know, if only there was a list. If there was a list of things that would be, I don't know, just important stuff like honor your mother and father and don't lie and don't steal, don't covet your neighbor's wife, don't kill. Wait a minute. It sounds like the Ten Commandments. It sounds like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> hey, here's an idea. What if we just posted that list right. in the... Po oh, wait a minute. We used to do that, didn't we? We did. We used to teach them. We did. Don't disrespect your parents. Correct. Don't steal. Don't Correct. steal. Correct. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Correct. Don't murder. Don't murder. But we said, oh, because that came from the Bible, right. we have to sanitize that right. because of a very distorted view of the Establishment Clause. And now we're 
We're reaping the results suffering, of what we've sown. Suffering from it. Absolutely. Suffering. Society is suffering from it. it. No place is safe. I mean, right now people are talking about arming themselves with weapons because, and it's going to be like the wild, wild west. Whomever can grab their gun the fastest and shoot because, I mean, it's, it's, it's lawlessness that, like I've never seen. And I'm telling you, it's unbelievable that we talk about what progress America has made with going into space and all of that. Got a got a camera out there, it, it, so many light years away, taking pictures of that they've never seen before. Yeah, but why can't you take some pictures of what we are seeing here in America right now and the condition that the world is in? I'm telling you, and the way it's headed, man, the Lord Jesus could come any minute. If we needed to take. A close-up photograph, high resolution, like some of the new pictures that we're seeing of these other galaxies and so forth. But instead, focus that camera on the heart. Yes. Oh, man. We'd come back and see a photograph of a heart that is evil. Evil. Desperately wicked. None can know it. Yes. But God knows that heart. That's right. That's right. And it's not God's will. I looked it up in the Word of God. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come into repentance. But that's the mark of the church. You see, the church is confused sometimes between the church, church work and the work of the church. Church work is what you do inside the church. You sing in the choir. You're on the deacon board. Mm-hmm. You're on the hospitality committee, committee, whatnot, the feeding program, et cetera, et cetera. But church, the work of the church is when you leave the church. That's when the work of the church is there. And I marvel that the Lord Jesus at 12 years old, his mom couldn't find him. Mary couldn't find him because he had, you know, he was still in Jerusalem still, and she thought maybe he was with the kindred, so she just went ahead with the journey back home, right? They had taken him there to be presented to God. And when they were looking for him, they couldn't find him. So three days later, they still couldn't find him. So she and Joseph turned back to Jerusalem to find out where the Lord Jesus was. And so when they found him three days later, he was in the temple uh, conversing with these lawyers and these doctors and doctors of the law, and he was holding conversations with them, asking questions and answering questions. And Mary came in and said, "Son, why have you done this? Your father and I has, you know, we've really been anxiously trying to find you, and we couldn't find you." And he said something arrested, and he says, "What?" He said, "Know ye not that I must be about my father's business?" Mm-hmm. Well, the father's business would have been carpentry. Because Joseph was a carpenter. Right. But the Lord Jesus wasn't talking about carpentry. Mm-hmm. He was talking about his father's business. His heavenly father. His heavenly father with a capital F. And his father's business is souls. It's unfortunate to me that souls is not the business of the church. Well, and sadly, I think to that point, you know, the church today largely, and, and you know, we need to each one examine ourselves, right? Yes, Test the spirit. See if they be of God. That's right. We look at it and say, well, the church is about business. It's about my business. It's about monkey business. It's about being in your business. It's about every bit of business that's out there, including even money business, except the business of God. Except the business of God. Now, what's happening with that? And how did it get? And matter of fact, what is the business of God? So in that ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, you find out. The Bible says the Lord Jesus went into the cities and villages. Matter of fact, he says, went into all the cities and villages, didn't have a car, didn't have a cell phone, didn't have an internet, didn't have a website. And yet in three and a half years, he reached more than 30,000 people. 
with the gospel of the kingdom of God. You see that? And so now we have a responsibility to promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus and the kingdom of God. And that's the mandate when he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But the church is believing that you must be a preacher in order to do that. He wasn't talking. Every Christian is supposed to be a Christian. I mean, a, a believer. A preacher, shall I say. But it doesn't mean you go get a clergy collar, okay, and get a big cross hang around your neck. What it is is everyone, I think it's Acts 1 and 8, that says, you shall be witnesses. Witnesses, come on now. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me. That's what the Lord said. He said it himself in the eighth verse of that first chapter of Acts. The point of it is, we're not witnessing. The church is not witnessing. The church is not soul winners. We're not winning souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a consequence, the world is going, nobody's there to guide them. Nobody's there to help them. Nobody's reaching out. And as a matter of fact, Greg, I do believe that some churches, most churches, don't want unsaved people even to come to that church. They don't even want them there. You know, it strikes me. Let's use an example. If somebody walked up to a stranger on the street and said, do you know Barbara Jackson? Right. Yeah, I, I believe maybe she's married to Bishop Bob. He's first lady of Axeville Gospel. Well, can you tell me about her? Well, you know, she's uh, she helps out and good wife. And you quickly begin to understand that that individual is not capable of really telling who she is because they don't know who she is. They may know of her. Right. But they don't know her. That's the point. I have to wonder in that same example, Bishop Bob, if the failure here is that the church oftentimes, the body of Christ, struggles in our capacity to witness or to make disciples more specifically. Because largely we look at this, and I know there's always that, tes- 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 that, that, that tendency to push back and say, well, now, I'm not, I'm, I don't have the skills of an evangelist. Right. That's up to my preacher. I don't memorize Scripture that well. I really can't answer all the objections. That's up to the professional. Yet Scripture doesn't say that. No, it does not. I just have to wonder if maybe a big part of the problem is we have a difficult time talking about who he is to others because just like that stranger that I mentioned has never met Barbara Jackson can't tell much of the story about who she is this is Bishop Jackson's lovely wife and first lady of Acts by the way for those of you eavesdropping (laughs) but my point is how can you possibly hope to tell others the story of who the most important person should be that changed your entire life. If you can't tell that story, I'm going to argue it's because you probably don't know him in the first place. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. If you look at that fourth chapter of St. John, and you, you see that little woman at the well. Okay, she's my favorite. I call her Spandex Sally. She's, she, she, she's there with a spandex on, a lipstick on. She's got her makeup on. She's got those eyelashes that, that blink no, no, over no, here no. and bat. Those eyelashes that blink over here and bat way across the room. She's got this real tight spandex outfit on, you know, cleavage all showing, et cetera, et cetera. Got a little chain around her ankle with bells on it so it jingles when she walks and she giggles when she talks. And she's she's somebody, but she's at the well by her yourself comes to that well and guess who's sitting on the well the lord jesus is sitting on the well so they have a dialogue you know and she corrects him real quick what are, what are you doing speaking to me i'm a samaritan jews don't have anything to do with samaritans you know what i'm saying you're speaking to me he said woman if you knew who it was that was asking you for water you'd be asking 
me for water, you know. She said, where, where would you get the water? You have nothing to draw. He said, he'll be giving you some living water so you wouldn't have to come back here to draw the water. You know, so she said, Evermore, give me some of that living water. He says, go call your husbands. And, and she says, I have no husband. He said, that you answered right. You've had five husbands, and the man you're shacking with right now is not your husband. My God, it really blew her away. She said, well, we know that Christ is going to come, Messiah. We know he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to tell us everything. He said, I that speak unto thee am he. Watch this now. Bible says that that she dropped her water pot, ran back into the city, went right to the men and said, come see a man that told me everything I've ever done. Is not this the Christ? And the Bible says all the men start following her out to the well where the Lord Jesus was waiting. Look at this. And the women obviously followed the men and the kids followed the mothers and the whole town came out to be with the Lord Jesus Christ out there at that well. Well, if you continue to read it, the disciples will say, come, Master, eat. He said, I got some meat that you know not of. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, did you somebody give you some chicken and some biscuits or anything? <laughs> Watch this, though. He says, those 12 disciples went into the same city and brought no one back to the Lord Jesus. Only chicken and biscuits. But this woman... She didn't get change her clothes. She didn't wash the makeup off her face. She didn't get a license to preach. She didn't have a title as a missionary or, mm -hmm. or an evangelist or whatever. She just had a real re encounter with the Lord Jesus that's Christ, it, a it. revelation that's encounter that it. he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. He identified himself, and she that went to her heart, and she went into that city, and with one woman— Oh, I just would have had one woman like that in Oakland right now. All of the city of Samaria came out to be with the Lord Jesus and continued with him for two days, the Bible says. But you see, the important part of your story, Bishop Bob, is the fact that she was a, because she had had an encounter. Yes. Point. He called her out on things that she knew no man could humanly possibly know. Correct. So I imagine when she went back to that city and began sharing the story. As you point out, at face value, they would have no reason to believe her whatsoever. Look at this woman. She's a woman of ill repute. Exactly. There's, there's no thing, nothing about her that you can trust. This is not the mayor's wife. She's not married to the governor or a banker. Right. None of it. Exactly. There was absolutely no reason for them to follow her back at all, save one thing, that she must have spoke. With such passion, Come on. so convincingly, Jesus. because she knew in her heart of hearts she had had that encounter, yes. and as a result, the manner in which she talked about this encounter Come on. to those men, Come on. they found so compelling Thank that you, they Jesus. had to follow her back and say, who is this dude? Come on, come I on. I got to figure this thing. Take me to it. Come him. on, come on. And can you imagine every member of the church going everywhere? through the highways and hedges and everybody they come across saying, hey, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see a man. What, what, what man? Where's he at? The Christ. Come on. Come, come, come. 
Could you imagine if the church were to get excited and get on fire about that because they have a revelation knowledge of who the Lord Jesus really is? If we just lived our lives in that fashion. Come on. People that we encounter every single day along the way of life, be it the, the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, all of them, you know, the the, 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 the young man who, who who is the barista making you the smart Starbucks coffee in the morning, whomever. Whomever. The opportunities that we would have. But it, but you can't communicate with a sense of enthusiasm and vibrancy unless you've experienced that. Mm-hmm. And this goes back, I think, to your point that we're going to take a time out and we'll dive into this a bit deeper. It comes back to the notion that maybe one of the biggest challenges facing the church today is not dealing with the aftermath of COVID. It's not dealing with, well, we can barely reach our budget goal. We've got the big thermometer out there for the building fund, and it's stuck, and that's our problem. No. The problem is the fact that there's too many people in the pews that know of him but don't know him. And maybe, maybe the important word here today for each and every one of us is, We need to go back to that well. We need to put ourselves in a place where Christ can, before us, lay bare our sin, our shortcomings, who we really are, and recognize you can't shuck and jive with Jesus. (laughs) He knows you. He knows all things and all things about us and where our faults and failures are. And if we're willing to surrender and recognize in whom we have believed and allow him to become the true Lord of our lives, to understand what true discipleship is from a a laying yourself on the altar prostate and saying, Lord, unto thee, I surrender all. And once having done so, to see the power of the Holy Spirit supercharge your life as Bishop Bob said, and I love this, every time you see an example of a movement of the Holy Spirit in the, in the, the uh, book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, you will always hear, and X number came to Christ. To be engaged and endued with the power of the Holy Spirit, to be his witnesses as the woman of the well was going back into the city, then you present a message that is compelling, that cannot be ignored, that will draw. Remember, Scripture says, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. But you have to have something to compel them with, right? This is the message that's going to be the compelling message. But you can't share it if you don't know it. You think on that for a moment. We're going to get back to more of our conversation. Bishop Bob Jackson, Acts Full Gospel Church of Oakland online at actsfullgospel.org. Back after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're here at uh, 10 away from 6 o'clock. Pastor Napoleon Kaufman will join us tonight in the second hour. In the first hour, always a great privilege, joy, and education to have Bishop Bob Jackson with us today. He is the senior and founding pastor of Axeville Gospel Church of Oakland. If um, you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area, you're looking for a new church home, maybe you've struggled because... Your your experience at wherever you go now kind of seems to be hollow and 
There's a lot of platitudes, and it kind of starting to feel like an Anthony Robbins seminar. You walk out, feel motivated, but not changed at all. Well, the element that's missing is the unadulterated preaching of God's Word. If you want to go and receive a feel-good message, if you just want to have your ears tickled, then I'm going to tell you right now, Axeville Gospel Church is not your church. Don't bother, don't call, don't show up, don't email, don't write, don't do none of it, because if you're looking for a feel-good experience to tickle your ears, you will not find it there. If, however, you're looking for a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ, if you're looking for God's Word to be preached boldly, unabashedly, and unedited, unabridged, that you'll find there. And it's a dynamic community of believers that have really entered into not only what it means to surrender to God's Lordship, but also what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples. So if you're looking for something new, Axeful Gospel Church of Oakland, online at axefulgospel.org. Now, I didn't say that to embarrass Bishop Bob, but folks need to know what's going on at Axe and need to know your heart. One of the big hallmarks of your ministry through all these years has been your unwavering commitment to preaching of the gospel and to discipleship. And I want you to spend in the last eight minutes that we have together here, Bishop Bob, and, and before we close, I'm going to ask you also if you would lead us in a word of prayer. But speak to the importance, speak to the difference that we might see, not just in the church, but in our nation today, where we really, truly not just know of God, but know God and learn what it truly needs, means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, I think the Lord made it plain when he talked about becoming born again in St. John chapter 3. And he's talking about if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. The whole idea of being a Christian is becoming a new creature, a new creation. And the only and that born again experience is actually born from above. In other words, it's God's doing that causes you to become a new. And so many people now that have messed up their lives with drugs and messed up their lives with alcohol and fornication and adultery and murder and killing, you name it, any sins, whatever else they've ever done. The point of it is to know the good news of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ died for all of their sins. And that Satan is the one that's condemning them and convicting them of those sins and making them feel ashamed and making them even commit suicide behind the things, the terrible things that they've done. He is the accuser of the brethren. That's what the Bible says. And not knowing that the Lord Jesus 2,000 years ago paid the price for the penalty of sin on the cross at Calvary. When he died on that cross, he died for the sins of the world. Every sin that had been committed to that day and every sin that ever would be committed after that date. 
which is good today. And when sinners know that the Lord Jesus can forgive them of all of their sins and give them a brand new life, I don't care what they've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care who you've done it with. The point of it is he can give you a brand new life and he can do it now in this time. To me, that's the best news I ever heard. Oh, you think of the man, for example, that, that that's been a smoker and a drinker and eaten poorly his entire life. And the doctor one day says, brother so-and-so, you've got hardening of the arteries, you've got clogged arteries, and you need a miracle. You need a new heart because yours is just worn out. This is the spiritual equivalent of God regenerating a brand new heart. That point that you made that the, the work that Christ did on the cross on our behalf covers all sin, for all mankind, for all time. There is no sin that you've committed, will think to commit, consider to commit, thought about committing in any shape or form whatsoever that cannot be wiped away because of Christ's blood. And if we begin to realize that this surrendering goes beyond just book knowledge, this surrendering will allow God to then, as you surrender, regenerate your heart. Suddenly, it's the equivalent of going back to that cardiologist, and the cardiologist says, well, you've got the heart of an 18-year-old. What's happened? All of the evidence of all of the hard living and the smoking and the drinking and the fatty foods is all gone. It's like brand new. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does in your life when you surrender to him and learn what it means to be truly a disciple of his. I know it's true because it happened to me. I know it's true. I'm telling you, there is no way, Brother Craig, I could be on this be on the air with you at this time speaking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with the terrible life I lived and the terrible man I was. I mean, just horrible. You name sin. Paul and I have a contest going on right now. Who's the the chiefest? That that is exactly right. You hit it on the head. I said, Paul, you were a schoolboy compared to me. You know what I'm saying? And yet he says in the Bible that he was a chief sinner. Mm -hmm. I love that because he's being transparent. You see, and people need to know Yeah, I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't a good guy growing up. Motorcycle rider, gun carrier. I was a part of the problem in Oakland. But when the Lord Jesus sent Jerry Thomas, and by the way, Jerry Thomas came to church this past Sunday. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Oh, my God. And just to see the man that God used to come back and tell me I was shot to the curb at my father's house. No job, no money, no place to live. My dad was nice enough to let me have my old room back. And this guy came by looking for me at my dad's house. And when I saw him, Craig, he looked like a million dollars. I mean, his face was glowing, the Shekinah glory. I didn't know anything about that. But the Shekinah glory was on his face. He looked, he was so happy, big old rosy cheeks. And I said, man, what's, what, what do you have, man? What, what's that? I said, give me some of that. Give me. He pointed his finger in my face and he said, boy, all you need is Jesus. Craig, I could have knocked his oh, head off. Absolutely. I could have, I could have pulled my gun out. I could have, I mean, I didn't need a Jesus. I needed a woman. I needed sex. I needed money. I need. I needed a job. I needed a place to stay. I know what I needed. I didn't need no Jesus. But it wasn't nine months later, Oakland police pulled a gun on me. I had my gun, too. And the woman that I was with, her and I were having problems. And she caused the police to get on me. And the police broke in our house. Watch this domestic violence kind of a thing because I was really upset with her. Long story short, but the police pulled that 357 Magnum on me. And he says, 
pull your hand out of that closet real slow. I'll blow your brains out. And the woman had hollered, his gun is in the closet. And 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 he said, man, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You're going to. He said, look, get, your, get, get out of here. Get in your truck and get out of here. So I got in my truck and I left. And when I came back to the house, it was all vacant. And so it was quiet. So I came there, I was sitting on the couch, and all of a sudden... And this happened the next morning. All of a sudden, the next morning, I have DTs, you know, because I was half drunk. Let me tell you, it came back to me. Jerry Thomas said, boy, all you need is Jesus. And Craig, I turned to the, and got on my knees in front of that couch, and I said, Jesus, if you're really real, just let me know. Nothing happened. And then for some reason, I got an attitude. I said, Lord Jesus, if you're really real, just let me know. With all my might. And the next thing you know, I was crying like a baby. Four hours went by. I can't tell you whether I was in the body, out of the body. All I know is this. When I came to myself, I threw my cigarettes in the garbage. I had been smoking 16 years. Poured my wine and beer out of the sink. Had been drinking for years as well. Took all my pornography, and I had a lot of it. Threw it all in the garbage. Got rid of my gun. Picked up a little New Testament Gideon and began to read the book of Romans, the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth chapters. And I'm telling you, I found out what my problem was. You know what my problem was, Greg? Greg? It was sin. Sin. Sin was my problem. You know what the answer for sin was? The blood of our Lord Amen. Jesus Christ. Bishop Bob, we're down to the oh, wire here. Man. No, no, Lead no. Lead us in a word of prayer, would you please? Can I pray this for the people that's listening who's who's been following with this broadcast the whole time we've been Absolutely. on air and just maybe in their hearts the Holy Spirit is touching them right now to really want to be saved. Would that be okay? Saved. Would that be okay? Please. P- please, all of you that are listening right now, listen, listen. This this may be the time of your life. This may be just the perfect time for you to accept the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you know about him. I know you know of him. I know you've heard of him. But the question is, have you ever accepted him? Have you ever received him? And I guarantee you, it'll make all the difference in the world. And I have a little prayer for you right now. If you just pray with me, can you just close your eyes? If you're driving, just 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 reach up and grab, hit, touch your dashboard, or just put your hands on the steering wheel, amen, And as a point of contact. And let's just, let's, if you can, just follow me in this prayer. Repeat after me. Can you say, Lord Jesus? Come on. Just say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Forgive me. Forgive me. For all of my sins. For all of my sins. I believe. I believe. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. And you were buried. And you were buried. And on the third day. And on the third day. God the Father. God the Father. Raised you from the dead. Raised you from the dead. And right now, Lord Jesus. And right now, Lord Jesus. I open the door to my heart. I open the door to my heart. And I receive you. And I receive you. Into my heart. Into my heart. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. My Amen. God. Now, the million-dollar question, after you prayed that prayer, if I were to ask you, where's the Lord Jesus right now, what would you say? Right here in my heart. Praise God. Regenerate. Praise God. Glory to God. First John 4 and 4 says, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to say two things to wrap up our conversation. One, if you just prayed that prayer, the Bible says, Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth unto salvation. Go and share that with somebody. You know who to share with. You know the guy at work, the neighbor down the street, the member of your family that's been talking to you about this Jesus. You call him up and say, You won't believe what I just did. Then I want to encourage you to do two more things. 
Bishop Bob talked about God's Word, the importance of having a Bible. Go get yourself a good quality King James Bible and start reading it. Open up the book of Matthew. Start in the New Testament and read the story of Jesus as is depicted by the disciples. Begin working your way through God's Word. Read it every day. And then, second, I want you to pray because when you know somebody, you got to talk to them. You have to communicate. So prayer is critically important, and you need to get yourself plugged into a solid Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church where you can truly begin to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you say, Craig, I don't know where to start. Who do I call? You'll find a list of churches available on the KFAX website. I also encourage you, if you happen to be in the East Bay, check out Acts Full Gospel Church of Oakland. Information available again online at actsfullgospel.org. Bishop Jackson, always a delight to spend time with you and uh, talk about the Lord together. I appreciate you so much taking time to be with us today. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having we'll me. We'll do it again real soon. A timeout, Napoleon Kaufman next as Lifeline continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 